you're listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, TJ Melanoski. The following is the faith journey of Dusty Taylor. Dusty is a member of the Russellville First Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Arkansas. Dusty's vocation is a land surveyor, and his work takes him around Arkansas and sometimes Texas. Dusty is also the IT and communications director for Arkansas Presbytery. His role includes website building, virtual meetings, historical research, social media, and local church tech support. You can check out some of his work at arpcpc.org. Enjoy this faith conversation with Dusty Taylor. Dusty, you make a living off of being a land surveyor. I've always been intrigued by that role. I want to say I've had another guest that, um, a past guest who did that as well, or that was a previous career for that person. Um, so tell me the life of a land surveyor and, uh, what that entails. (laughs) Well, um, thank you for letting me be on here, by the way. Um, a land surveyor is someone who they have to like outdoors. <laughs> if they don't, they're in trouble. Uh, but um, they experience God's wilderness and they have to locate someone's boundary property or uh, construction wise. There's different aspects of it. Um, you would be walking, locating someone's property. You might see a deer. I don't know. Um, well, I guess my first question would be is, do you have to know a lot of math? You do have to know math. <laughs> okay. Trigonometry. All right. Um, or geometry. And uh, if you don't know that, you might as well just be the helper. <laughs> You'll be in trouble. <laughs> but... Um, a land surveyor, um, the world is based off surveyors. I don't, uh, when I was in school, they always told us, um, the, it's probably the oldest profession because it started in your, or, uh, North Africa has went brain dead, um, Egypt. They surveyed the Nile river for the farmlands and stuff to base property. And I was like, well, that's cool. I didn't know that, you know, that was something new for me, but the, it all is like the age of God. It's like based way back so far. You don't even know. <laughs> uh, but if we didn't have it, people would fight over whose own property was what, and you wouldn't know how to, uh, where to put the bridge to go across the Mississippi river mm. or where to put the beams that has to be out there for the support, the pillars. There's a picture when I was in school that going across somewhere in Louisiana that if this surveyor was messed up, this surveyor here on the other side of the river would have went straight like they're supposed to, and the, there would be error in the in the in the math. The you wouldn't meet in the middle like you're supposed to. Oh, in terms of like building a bridge. So the right lane would be. <laughs> over there in the uh next to the left lane coming from the opposite side wow so it takes a little bit of collaboration as well when you go out for land surveying for your job do you always go out with a partner or you out there by yourself how does that work we always have a two-man crew now sometimes we have one-man crews Mm. uh, depending on on the size of the job and what's being done but and a lot of our stuff now is more progressed into GPS instead of doing uh, what we call old school in total stations. Where do you get, um, like, I guess you have to start with old charts, right? And old maps. Are those at the courthouse? Do they, um, do you keep them on file in the land surveying office? I don't know how this works, but like I said, I'm pretty intrigued by it. Well, Arkansas, um, Several years ago, they've 
made it to where they now have it online and you have to register your survey through the state. But most surveys are done are done through the courthouses still. Okay. They have to be done through the courthouse local level for you for someone else to come in because it's public knowledge to come in and look at it and base another survey off of it later on for adjoining property. Mm-hmm. And it's always senior rights. So Hoover's the oldest, pretty much. You have to base off theirs. Okay. So in your case, you know, in Arkansas, as well as in many states, you know, there's been surveys. So when you do a survey, is it typically something new where you're dividing property or does your role also include where you're, you're trying to find the old boundaries to confirm old surveys? I don't know if that made any sense or not, but I'm sure you have to confirm old surveys if you're going to divide a piece of property. Yes. But do you ever have a call to where people can't find their old boundaries and they just want to know where they are? All the time. Or they've never had a survey before. Hmm. Okay. Which they have to go off legal descriptions that would you'd have to figure out where another survey may have happened or uh, old evidence to put it in place. So which one becomes more handy? Um, is it the pictorial survey or is it the written aspect that actually includes like the degrees and, and you know, the, the coordinates? Is one more important or does one supersede the other? How does that work? A plat, I guess is what you're trying to say while well, I go a picture, yeah. which is a plat, are usually done so for visual but most everything is done by word okay all right and in the courthouse you're going to find the deeds and stuff which would be the survey with it'll be all like a paragraph instead of a picture but some will have a picture or the plat with it for visual what do you enjoy about land surveying what what attracted you to this field well I was originally going to be an architect, but that didn't happen because I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's even more math, right? More math. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was outside and my, my counselor in high school was like, yeah, this is probably up your alley. And so I did it and I stuck with it. Mm. And it is, it's more outside stuff that I like to do and I like to see and venture and see what God has created. Right. Um, your work, does it take you all over the state or are you kind of confined in a certain geographical area? When I first got hired on, uh, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, I was in Texas. So I traveled to Texas for 10 years. And then two years ago, I got moved to the office. So I've been in the office enjoying climate control. (laughs) (laughs) But I would travel to Texas a lot. Mm-hmm. When, <clears throat> excuse me, when um, a land surveyor, so you have a degree, does that degree, that certification, um, does it depend upon various states or one certification will work across the, the lower 48? You um, start with your local education to get your local degree. And we always go off and get another license in other states. So you have to, each state's got different or different um, laws and bylaws that go with. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to study their course and then take a test with them to get your license there. When you're out in not the climate controlled environment that you're currently in, but you're out into the field, how how do you feel connected to God? You alluded to that, um, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but uh, nature and and God. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. What is it about being outdoors that you feel the presence of God? It's being like at church camp, I guess. You're out there, you can hear what God's created. Um, You... It's always a place where I can go if I need to. It's peace. It's away from folks. Mm. 
I can meditate if I need to. Um, and it's, it's always drawn me to that, that uh, I can, I look at something like, well, God made that. This is something that God's created that it, I don't know, it's, it's a feeling, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. There is something, there's like a serenity to it because it, it's you and, and you're right. Nature is surrounding all around you. The trees weren't made by people. The tall grass that you're standing in, the poison oak and ivy that's rubbing against your hands, <laughs> um, you know, and the, the insects and the deer and the birds and, and the sounds and the breeze, all those different things um, are beyond us. You know, it's kind of beyond my fathoming in terms of I can experience it, but it's really hard for me to articulate. And I, I, I think that people of faith contribute those aspects to the creator. And when you're, you're sitting there and it's quiet and you hear what's going on, like the sound of water running, it's soothing. Mm. It's, I don't have to worry about anything other than a bear coming. But, <laughs> and sometimes you're like, well, why did God create that? Or like a thorn bush. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, before we leave the the land surveying aspect of your life, do you have any interesting or funny or frightening experiences as, as a land surveyor that you'd like to share? Well, you never know what you come across. <laughs> and sometimes you come across things you wish you didn't come across. But, <laughs> and, and landowners that you don't want to deal with. but mm -hmm. And with gunshots or guns in your face. So you've had all... Off my property. You've had all of that experience. I had some of that experience. I didn't like it, but <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> well, uh, you're, you're here talking with me, so that means you came out on this end of it. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Dusty, let's talk about your coming to the Christian faith. And were you raised in the church, or did you come to worship experiences a little bit later in life. Where would you like to begin on, on that path? I, I was raised in the church, but the first five or so years, it was off and on. Um, my, my parents met in a church across, but my dad's family was in a common Presbyterian church and my mother's younger brother was a CP pastor, but, um, they met through a cousin of my dad's who went to the, um, church of Christ. And later on, we would go in to the CP church. My uncle was preaching at, uh, and ended up staying. That's also where my dad's parents would go in and my dad's aunts and his other part of his cousins <laughs> it was kind of weird that my my mom's brother who was a church of Christ growing up was a preacher at a CP church <laughs> in the middle of nowhere Arkansas <laughs> uh, Walnut Grove is where that was at and my dad's uh, my dad's great uncles or whatever helped start that church from a in the 1930s and of my dad's got cousins that are still there. One's a session clerk. The other one's an elder. Wow. So your family has some deep ties and roots in the Cumberland Presbyterian church. They do. So you had little to no escape. You just didn't know it, I guess, back then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I didn't know the history wise until about five years ago. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Ah. I went to the library and was like, Oh, there's, in the library, in the, in the history book, there was my, my family's names. Like, Oh, I know those folks. <laughs> Started out as a little schoolhouse. <laughs> well, you, you said for the first few years of your life, um, you're kind of on and off. Um, what changed to where your, your family was attending regularly, which meant since you were younger that you had to attend regularly. That's Mom always took us with us, so, um, and, well, okay, hold on, 
I know you just asked the question, but mm-hmm. my uncle was also preaching at another CP church before there when I was a little bitty. So he was Paris. at Okay, so he was at Walnut Grove, but he was at Paris Cumberland Presbyterian Church before that. Yes. Okay. And we went there and I got in trouble at that church once for writing my name on the wall. <laughs> but in the sanctuary? Uh No, outside. Oh, you actually wrote on the, your on name? The brick. Yeah. I got oh. in trouble for that. But what did anyway, you, you what, no, hold on. We got to live here for a minute. What did you use to write your name? It was a marker, a little, uh, a little Crayola <laughs> marker. And I think I took it from like the classroom, but I don't remember how I got that. I just remember writing my name and getting in trouble. And mom said, God's not going to like that. <laughs> how old were you at the time? Roundabout. I was probably about four. Man, so four-year-old graffiti on the side of a church. Was there any kind of foreshadowing in that? Did that lead to other types of graffiti growing up? <laughs> it did not. Okay. Not that, that I can remember. That was your one and only. <laughs> is your name still on the church? I don't know. That church is no longer existing. So. Oh, okay. It got uh, sold off. Okay. Yeah, how do you get marker? I'm sure if you pressure washed it, but I don't know. I never really thought about that. Like I said, it was a Crayola marker, so it probably washed off. Okay. It'll, you know, kid marker. <laughs> All right. I interrupted you, but I wanted us to live there. I wanted to hear about Dusty uh, drawing on the church wall. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, Paris, Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and Walnut Grove. And then I spoke over you. So go ahead. Well, I don't remember where we went from there. Well, I I got off subject, so (laughs) you can blame it on me. Um, We ended up staying at the church because my my uncle was preaching. And like I said, that's where a lot of my dad's family, my dad didn't go. Of course, he worked nights and he, he, it was weird. He never did go to that church. He was never a member that I can remember. He's always going to see his parents was there, his, my, except my, his aunt and cousins. We always, that's how we ended up staying in the church was because of them. And my mom's brother was the preacher. So it was easy for her because she switched faiths. She went from like, like I said, church across to, to that. And uh, she's from East Arkansas. And she just happened to move because my grandpa, my uncle was there and my, her parents had moved. He was a coach. And uh, he graduated from tech here, which he also, I guess, had made a connection CP-wise because a guy he went to school with was a CP whose dad's a preacher who is now a Presbyterian USA preacher in Texas. But his and his grandpa's still a CP preacher here in Fort Smith area. But we connection was because of my uncle, I guess. So that's why my mom was comfortable going because of her brother and so we ended up staying and i was raised in the church that church for about i don't know up until i graduated high school and we ended up switching even though we're raised in the church um and not everybody is but uh you were i were um there's still a delineation between attending church and actually having a relationship uh with god through jesus christ Dusty, is there a pivotal moment in your life where you desired that you wanted to have a relationship with God and you made a profession of faith? In 2004, I think I was 15. Aging myself here. That's <laughs> um, when I accepted and became baptized. I took the, I just, that was the moment that I can remember that. I guess was the pivot point where I accepted and, and got uh, I accepted to be baptized and everything. And, uh, that was a, a, uh, time that I can, I can remember being baptized because it's funny. It was in a lake in a cow field. And when I raised up, there was a cow pie floating by, <laughs> um, my uncle was the, was the, he wasn't ordained in the church, but he was the one who, baptized me with uh henry jenkins who was the preacher i had here recently mm-hmm. or I, it's the church we went to after leaving 
Walnut Grove. He was in charge of that church and two other ones. So they were the two CP, I guess, the one CP and non-CP, but that's who was there that day. And my, there was like four other people that got baptized that day or five other people. But we all, that was, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling here. Sorry. No, you're doing, you're doing great, Dusty. Yeah. I, I saw when you sent me your brief bio, I cracked up when I read the part that when you were baptized, when you came up out of the water, the, the thing that you remember is seeing a cow pie floating by. I think that is hilarious. There's a picture on Facebook, but I don't know if you see the cow pie or not, but I, I remember seeing it. <laughs> so what was going on in your 15-year-old mind for you wanting to have a relationship with God? I mean, we've established already you grew up in the church. But, I mean, at 15... I mean, there's so much going on in your head and your body's changing. Um, yeah, what? Tell me more about that desire of what were you thinking at that time? I don't know. That's one of those. It's just you wake up. I, I just woke up and was like, that's what I need to do. That's that's where I need to go. I just don't know how to explain that. And that was so long ago. There's so much things that's happened since then. I've slept since then. <laughs> I don't know if I can remember all the details, but yeah. I remember being saved. I think also a year later or before at a um, wrestling, we had, there was a wrestling thing that came in. It was a church-wise, and we were there, and I gave myself to the Lord then too. Yeah, there's that um, – I- I think there's an interesting conversation to have about like recommitting ourselves um, to God, you know, reevaluating like we would with any relationship, whether it's with our parents or, um, uh, you know, a loved one, um, but kind of looking at those relationships. I think we could do the same as well in our relationship with God and and commit, commit ourselves anew to that relationship with a renewed focus. You are uh, a unique in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church in terms of one of the services that you provide. So on top of being a land surveyor, you also work for Arkansas Presbytery. I thought we could talk about that for a few moments. Your title is IT and Communications Director. What does an IT and Communications Director do for Arkansas Presbytery? Um, that's funny because they asked me to do that. I'm like, I'm not really an IT person. I'm just a tech savvy person. Um, I manage the Presbytery website, the social media stuff, um, and send emails out, mass emails out when need to. So that started in 2019. Mm -hmm. They asked for a website and asked me if I would do it. And I got it started. And then they also had asked or they also had proved to get a camera to record presbyterial stuff um his, for historical purposes and then the pandemic happened right so you have this new equipment you're really just getting started in 2019 and then we as the rest of the world had to shift over to the digital space so you were you were already there had you had a meeting that uh you had filmed and made live uh, prior to the pandemic? Did not. The fall presbytery was when all that took place and the pandemic happened before the spring. And I think that was God's way of saying, this is where we need you. <laughs> Cause that's what happened. <laughs> Cause then the, we had the spring presbytery. We had to have technology to, to, to do things. Right. Zoom and, recording and bringing all these folks on and then it happened you know that happened again in the spring of the next or the fall of the next year and then uh the next the spring of 21 we met actually met in person we did a hybrid meeting and i had to help get that going and doing uh, voting we did voting via phone so they did a, te- a text message in when they would pop up on the screen. So those who couldn't make it because they were scared of getting sick or they could do it. And the people in the audience in 
the church at Fort Smith, they uh, voted via phone. So it would always show up on the screen how the how it went. So we could get a uh, accurate number of if it passed or not. And then the fall. Oh, when did that was that last year, last spring? That was last fall. That was March, March of 2022. Yes, March of 22. I forgot this is 2023. <laughs> uh March of 22, we were meeting at uh, the Palestine Church, and they had the Board of Missions had put the proposal again before the Presbytery to make the position a permanent position and came up with the title and a pay because there was apparently I was doing more work than they're like, you're not getting compensated for it. And they also had me to start traveling to churches that needed help with. IT problems or getting live streams going and um, if someone couldn't make it that they needed someone to fill in the place to do so for a Sunday when um, we have some churches that where they're trying to implement um, getting televised preachers and where we can't fill a pulpit because that's a, we don't have a supply mm-hmm. so like Josh Murray who is in Florida he videos in every Sunday to the Shell Chapel Church, and sometimes they have to have they have problems, and they call me to help fix those problems and figure out a plan of getting something going. So, do you get those calls even on like a Sunday morning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, part of your role is to help troubleshoot and walk through with a local congregation if they're having. Uh, technical issues for worship or for meetings or or whatever it may be where they need the technology. It is. Uh, they do, and uh, that happens a lot. Um, I also get asked to put, uh, build websites for churches, which happened, I guess, last year before last for two churches we have in the Little Rock area. They're small, and they're trying to grow. Chris Fleming and uh Christy Lounsbury, they are doing the, um, what's that program called? Engage. Engaged, yes. And the Board of Missions had contacted them to get, to come help these two churches because it's like they're in a metropolitan. We need them to expand instead of shrink. And they, Chris and them had asked me to help get a website built for them. So I do, I did that because it's like a, we live in a day and age where people Google things and they, Hey, where's a church? And if you have, if you don't have a digital or a online presence, you sometimes get passed. They don't know you exist. Right. I was about to say that, or you don't exist unless you have a digital presence. And I do that. And um, I manage, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, five websites in the Presbytery, <laughs> one being church camp. And well, I think that's how it kind of got started too, because I did the church camp website. <laughs> okay. And that that church camp is called uh in Arkansas is called Camp Penile. Yes. Where God met or where Jacob seen God face to face. And um to find your work, your wonderful work in terms of website building, um people can go to ARP cpc.org and that will be that's arkansas presbytery and then um what is the camp penile website it's camp-penile.com okay that one's even easier than arpcpc.org it's always our presbytery cpc oh okay okay that does help (laughs) i think west tennessee's was wt pcpc at one point, the old one. Maybe it might have been. And we have the links on our Presbytery website for all the other Presbyteries that we I've, I've found. And one of the things I like about the website is, like, you can go there and you can find your preliminary minutes as a member of the Presbytery. Then you can find the minutes, like previous minutes. Um, yeah, it's pretty well, pretty well documented. 
Uh, Dusty, what have you learned about uh, working with Arkansas Presbytery, the different congregations, and helping them kind of move into the digital space in the 21st century? And what advice do you have uh, from your experience for those who are, are working in that direction and maybe they just hadn't got started? What would be a good first step? Um, making sure you have a pin drop on Google <laughs> or a map, because that's also one of those things. Um, well, hey, here, let's start, let's, let's assume somebody's listening and you just said pin drop on Google and they don't know what that means. Uh, it's a place marker or a, a little pitch pin that you would put on a map on a billboard mm-hmm. to mark the location that you can search. And I've also helped manage to get um, the states, all those marked, because a lot of those were not marked or they're in the wrong location, which does not benefit someone trying to find a church. So if you can't find a location, you it's, it takes you in the country over, <laughs> the county over, sorry. And you can, do, you can do this from your phone in the parking lot of the church, because I've done that. I've done that with the Apple Maps uh, for congregations that I visited. But if somebody is in their church parking lot and that church is not on a Google Map or Apple Map, you can request or submit that that spot geographically could be identified as fill-in-the-blank Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. And I've done that too with... Sorry, and I've done that too with with Apple Maps as well because that's the same. They're both was in places that are off. Yeah, and it takes a few business days, or sometimes more, but usually it's a fairly quick response. It is, and uh, you also want to have a website. To me, a website helps. It helps with learning more about the church that you may have because not everybody has Facebook or a. Uh, Twitter or Instagram. And I know that with some people in the church because uh, we, we do the live stream stuff and she goes, I can't watch it. I'm like It's on the website. I've got it set to where you can go there and watch it if you need to. If you miss. So it, to me, having an online presence helps build or helps people understand where the church is and if they exist. And it's a form of evangelism in terms of, especially if you're live streaming or providing uh, worship through the digital space, people are able to hear um, the good news and experience the, the good side of the community of faith. Sometimes uh, I think the church, just the, the word in quotations, church, um, is perceived in an ill light. Sometimes we've earned that. But I, I think it's always good to have a personal experience or a personal encounter to draw your own conclusions about a specific congregation or maybe even a denomination to, to know the type of people um, that Christians can be at our best. And true. And the church itself is not the building. It's the folks who come together. And so you can have some that have come together online that still support. And I've, I've had people say, well, they don't give him money. Well, we learned last, mm, last month that we had some people donate online giving about $500 one month that they don't attend our church. They enjoyed it, the online part, and they felt the call and the need and so people do that and if you are one of those they're online um you never know who you're talking to and so they feel the need or the call to give to your church to help you keep doing what you're doing dusty one of the things that you do that has impressed me so much and it's been an example to me you had put in your bio that for 14 years you were driving an hour and a half 
to attend uh, worship. Um, and I mean, that is a quite a commitment. And it wasn't until this past October that you moved your church membership to Russellville, Cumberland Presbyterian Church. So if you don't mind talking about the what what, what drove you, what level of commitment to an hour and a half one way just to worship and to do that for 14 years, half your day is gone. Yes. Um, so I guess I'll start where I graduated high school and my uncle retired from preaching. And so we ended up switching and so did several members to the Poonville church, which is where Henry Jenkins is. And my cousin, Kathy has always been going to Kathy Littlefield. She's always been going there before we even, like she was part of that church and we were part of the Walnut Grove. So we swing the switch and my dad, who, like I said earlier in in this conversation that he never did attend, something pulled my dad into finally coming with us and that when we made that switch, and I kept going because my dad was going. Mm-hmm. So my, I guess because my dad was going to church, I ended up staying and driving an hour and a half in through college to attend church. And um, he became an elder. My mom became an elder. And I kept on going and I was like, well, gas prices are getting <laughs> up there and an hour and a half is a, a long time, hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. It just made sense to me to move to the, a local church to help grow that it's there's four right here where I live, including church camp. <laughs> church camp is 15 minutes away. And I was like. Is make the move, split away from my comfort zone and join a church that I don't know a lot of, I do actually know a lot of folks in, but um, it benefited my pocket, which benefited giving more to God. And so I made that move. Russellville is only 30 minutes away compared to an hour and a half. How hard was that for you? Because you have the benefits of seeing your family, worshiping with your family. Um, But then as well, there's the benefits of, well, it's the day of rest as much as we can on the Christian Sabbath. And you were spending three hours of it in the vehicle. So the benefits of cutting that time down, how hard of a transition was that for you? I don't think it was a hard transition. It was actually, I think maybe it was probably an easy one to make because it was easier to, I knew that my parents were okay. So they're fine where they were at. I can make the move. I didn't need to be a cushion. And, um, or that, that cushion wasn't needed for me. I could, I needed to branch off. So I, also helped get that church, the Boonville Church technology going to do live stream stuff because when the pandemic happened, they didn't have the tools. And so I was, they said they're canceling service. And I said, no, we're not. Y'all meet in the parking lot. I'll get the FM transmitter that I do my Christmas lights with. We're having service. Yeah. And I did that. So I got them started on t- and getting the camera and everything so they could do their live stream stuff now. And I felt that was good enough that I could move. Also, I they've got them where they, and I've got them to where they can do their stuff. They don't need me as a crutch. I can move closer. I can still watch them if I have to online or if I need to, to get my feel of the Boonville Church. Kathy Littlefield does that sometimes when she's, not having or when someone else is not there at the church, Kathy will take over the live stream stuff. And that church is also meeting uh, every other Sunday. They go between there and Old Union. They will switch because the congregation has gotten so small. 
it's like most of our churches, they're aging and they're not aging well, like fine wine. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, here we'll take a side tangent. So, uh, they're in Boonville one Sunday and then what was the name of the other congregation? Old Union, which is an, one of our older congregations here in the Presbytery. Yeah. So do the people of Boonville go over to Old, old Union? And do people do. from... That, that's pretty neat. So... They had one preacher for as long as I can remember. Like I said earlier, Henry Jenkins is in charge of four churches in the area at one point. Right. Now it's three. And because he's still in charge of Old Walnut Grove, but he preaches only at Boneville and Old Union. And up until the pandemic, he was preaching two sermons a Sunday. And now he just preaches one at the other church. He switches between the two. And the, the two congregations, they go between the buildings one Sunday to the other. That's really neat. So essentially you're blending two different church, two different congregations, and you're just rotating. Uh, where you worship. Yes. That's pretty neat. That's a creative way of being able to keep um, like the church building still up and running. and But the openness too to be able to go to another place for worship on Sunday. And that's something I, I dread later on when they have to close a church because I don't know which one I would pick. The older one, which is an old white frame building in the middle of nowhere with the cemetery or the one that's a newer 1979 built church wow. in town. Yeah. Well, and be... they're two different towns too. One's in magazine and one's in Boomville. Yeah. That would be a tough one. Well, I think the best will work out whatever that is for those circumstances. Let's talk about, what it was like for you to transition into the Russellville church. What was going through your mind? You said you knew a few people there, but still it was a change. It's different. And I think that people forget the difficulties and the level of anxiety of what it's like to enter into a church where most everybody in that building knows one another except for you. Um. That that transition, like I said, I, I I don't think it was really that hard. There, a lot of folks there did know me because there's a lot of um, camp folks that were there. I thought you were going to say it's because you put your name, you graffiti your name on every church that you go to. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I actually don't do that. Just the one time, I promise. <laughs> but um, well, I say that we, when I was at Walnut Grove, we did paint our hands in this youth thing, but that wasn't graffiti. We were told to do it. So, <laughs> um, but I don't think that, I really don't think that was a hard choice to make a hard transition because Melinda Reams, she's been on this podcast. She goes to church there. She knows me from church camp. She's on the board of missions who had me to start doing the technology stuff. So was Jim Fisk. He's the preacher. Uh, Drew Lake is on the camp board with me and I've known him since church camp. He's just a little two years younger than me. Uh, Bobby Kinslow, she's passed away. She was, um, a big person in that church. And so they, people knew her, me because of her. Mm -hmm. She was the, in charge of church camp for a long time. She was a, the big backbone in church camp growing up. Actually, we named a building after her. So it was really advantageous for you because there was people who either knew you or knew of you, and you knew some of them as well. What advice, Dusty, if you, if you have any, for those folks who may not have those connections, but they, they want to find out, they're seeking to find out more about God and want to experience worship and prayer and meditation and study of the scriptures, what advice do you have for them? Or maybe they've never entered into a church before, or it's been a long time, or they've never been into that, that one particular 
setting? Um, ooh, you got me. <laughs> well, I'm not a, I, I'm not a Bible thumper. Um, well, no, you, see, I th- I think you 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 have a better perspective because, for me, speaking as a minister, it's a different it's a different perspective. It's a different role, and. I think some of that can be overlooked or forgotten or not considered when your actual calling is to serve through a church. And it's always important for us to be able to put ourselves in the role of maybe the level of anxieties or even the fear of entering into a building that we're unfamiliar with, into a setting that we're not totally comfortable with. I'm a person who doesn't like change, so I would say it's just like starting a new job. You go into a place you're not used to being at. You don't know all the folks there most of the time, if it's unless it's you actually have friends there. But you have to take that chance. You never know unless you try. And um, what is it, Mark? Second seventeen uh, talks about like a doctor. Um, if you're, we're not all uh, healthy. We need Jesus, and uh, we need a doctor. So Jesus is the doctor. If you don't take the chance to heal yourself, you never get better. And so if you don't take the chance to, to try out something that you're uncomfortable with, you'll never know. I think that's right. Is it Mark 7, Mark 2nd, 17? I can't think of that. The, the Bible verse is like in my head, but I can't think of how, it, how it's read. I try to clear everything off the desk so I have no distractions when we talk. So I'd have to get up <laughs> to look it up. Well, I, I can't even reach technology. my phone. I can't even purposely can't reach my phone so that I can focus on our faith conversation. Go ahead. You have it pulled up. Uh, Mark 2nd 17. It is not the healthy who are needed, who need a doctor, but the sick is what it says. And so, yes. And I keep the Bible on my phone and I keep the confession of faith is on my phone. <laughs> and if people don't know that you can get the confession of faith online from the uh, Cumberland.org. Yeah, that's right. And I keep telling that people at Presbytery will go to the website. It's on there. Yeah. I think it's in PDF form if you wanted it. It is. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about scripture and the confession of faith for Cumberland Presbyterians, what is one of your favorite scriptures, Dusty, one that speaks to you, one that you always kind of fall back on when things are going rough or awry? This might sound weird, but it's Genesis 32:30, which is how church camp got its name. Uh, it's where Jacob said, uh, for I've seen God face to face, I call the place Panal, which then referenced me back to church camp where I... Um, like to be at because there's i like to set at vespers by yourself and just stare out towards the mountain that you see off and off the across the river across the hill there because our worship service at camp sits on the side of a hill but the trees are cleared and you can see off in the distance that verse reminds me of camp which reminds me of great memories and where I can set and be peaceful in nature and see um, what, or I can meditate, reflect on what I need from God. How about the confession of faith? What's your favorite aspect of the confession of faith? You must like it if you keep it on your phone. I don't know if I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have the confession. It keeps me to keep, we're how to stay in control in the pres- in the in the church, so I don't get in trouble if I say something wrong. <laughs> well, there's a confession of faith. There's a constitution. There's the rules of discipline. The directory of worship. But let's just talk about the confession of faith. Well, 
So the Confession of Faith also says we don't have a set way of how we worship. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you, that's what makes every church in our denomination different because not all of them follow the exact same. What is that part? It's the how they do worship, how they go about the order of worship. Mm-hmm. Each one does it differently. And our Confession of Faith says that where we can do our can you help me out here i don't remember the, how it's how it's it's in the directory of worship it uh, for the cumberland presbyterians there's uh the order of worship and its liturgy there's some freedom there for the liturgy to be chosen to help fit the context and the setting for that particular congregation um, and that differs from other mainline denominations that may have a more of a set liturgy. And uh, for Cumberland Presbyterians, there's guidance in the directory of worship that help us. And uh, even for special services like uh, for the sacraments, um, even prayer services. So there's that aspect. But for in the Confession of Faith, it talks about... Uh, Christian worship includes our our study, our prayer, our singing, um, the listening for uh, God's word. It may even be fellowship in there. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. I see you looking on your phone. So. I'm trying to find it. I know it's somewhere around page thirteen. Um, but yes, and so I know that we have some of our churches are more of a Pentecostal kind of type, I feel, I guess you would say. Some of our churches are more traditional. Some of them are more modern take on things. Um, I have it. And sorry, I made you do it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Christian worship 5.14. Christian worship includes proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, celebrating the sacraments, Reading and hearing the scriptures, praying, singing, and committing his lot, committing life and resources to God. This common worship of the church validates and sustains such other worship, as the church finds meaningful for celebrating the living presence of God. So those are the foundations for Christian worship for Cumberland Presbyterians. But as you were alluding to, it doesn't spell out step by step or what songs to sing and when to sing it. It doesn't really say it, there's different. And I think it I want to say there's some in there somewhere. It also says. Or a, 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 there's maybe a different orders that you can take. Is it not in the directory of worship? Yes. Yeah. Further back. So. All of that is to say is one of your favorite parts of the confession, since I cornered you and you were kind enough to try to respond, was the the kind of the Christian worship uh, section of the Confession of Faith. Yes. Well, Dusty, one of the questions I like to to ask many of the guests is, uh, and this is always in reference to our relationship with God, is... How are you experiencing God's presence here and now? How do you know that you're in relationship with God and God's in relationship with you? I feel like I know that um, he's still calling. He's giving me a calling that's different than everybody, most of the folks, because he, he's, I'm not being called to be a minister. I feel like I know that he's there and he's telling me, here's your talents. This is where I want you to, to, to do them, whether it's a church camp or technology stuff. I feel like I know that he's giving me like, he's telling me to do this. This is you. Here's which we want you to do. Do it. You need to help grow the church, but you can't grow the church sometimes in a, certain spot you have to branch out and your gifts are certainly appreciated 
uh, by the Presbytery. And, and I admire him as well because <laughs> I've benefited from your gifts in terms of checking out the website and I can find the churches and find minutes for Arkansas Presbytery. It's great. You do a great, great job, Dusty. Before we close out our conversation, music, books, television shows, movies, any of those that speak to you, uh, deepen your faith, or that you just enjoy and you want to share? I'm not a book reader. That's not something I do. <laughs> I'm terrible <laughs> at it. I'm actually a good reader. I, I got to skip out of that college because they said I, was, I qualified to be out of that. But I'm not a reader. So um, when I was in college, I, the song came out, My Chains Are Gone, by, uh, uh, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. But there was a movie that was that part of, which tells the story of how that song came to be. That to me tells me that I might be a sinner, but I'm able to break free with when when I try to. I don't know. It's it's a something that uh, that I've related to, I guess, because I like the history also. Mm. And you find that on the on the website, but history of the churches, but um, that it's a historical content and slavery and stuff too that. I don't know. It's just it's one of those songs that in and, and the movie itself you need to watch if you haven't. But yeah, I haven't seen it. So you have a combo here. So you have a song that's important to you, but there's a movie also made about Amazing Grace. Yes. And there's another song that I liked when I was in when I went to Walnut Grove that I haven't heard in forever. And it's called The Royal Telephone. Okay. I don't know if you heard that or not, but no, no. it's uh 1919 song him and it's we always have a that phone call to god it's never busy it's never broken it's if it if there's a broke in it it you mend it by your faith um you can always use it uh telephone to glory it's uh, it's just it's it's a song that i've loved <laughs> i can reference that too because it's when i need god I can sit down, take the time, and do the phone call to him, and it's never going to be interrupted. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely. The message within the song, even though I haven't heard it, it definitely puts that into context. Dusty, I appreciate the gifts that you bring to the church, and that you bring specifically to Arkansas Presbytery. I really. I'm glad that you shared your faith journey. I know you were terribly nervous about this, but you did a fantastic job. And I want others to to meet you and to hear your story, hear your faith, and benefit from the gifts that you bring to the Cumberland Presbyterian Church and to the big church at large. Thank you, Dusty. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Faith Conversation on Cumberland Road. To support this podcast, subscribe, follow, and share with others. There are over 120 guests to listen to, and more to come. Now, let me leave you with some words from the Cumberland Presbyterian Directory of Worship. Worship is fundamental to the mission of the Christian Church. To worship God is to act out of our obedience to the God who has revealed himself to us, called and claimed us as his people. In worship, the initiative lies with God and the focus is on God. God and God's redemptive and creative work are both the object and the subject of worship. To worship is to reenact the gospel in its fullness and simplicity. In worship, we discover and express our identity as God's people. We participate in the ongoing redemptive work of God in the world, and we offer ourselves anew to the one who has created, 
redeemed, and sustained us. We worship because of who we are and who God is.